0: Hey, hi, hello, welcome to episode 53 of Trail Society, brought to you by our friends over at Free Trail. I'm Corinne Malcolm. I'm Keely Huntinger. And I'm Hillary Allen. And we're all awake on a Monday morning. We're doing it, team. Thanks for being so generous and letting me sleep in a little bit.
1: <laughs> of course, I think you deserve it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we're we'll talk more about that in a in a little bit. But yeah, it was a it was a wild, wild, hot, long weekend full of many good things and many hard things and everything in between. Yeah. Uh, Keely hundred
2: mile stoke.
0: Post hundred mile stoke. Post hundred mile like blah. Post hundred <laughs> mile stoke. Keely, did you finish your your round of secondary apps? You feeling good?
2: I have one more to get out today, and then I'm just waiting on getting the rest. I have like four that I haven't got the secondary for yet. So otherwise, yeah, I'm almost done.
0: Crushing (laughs) the med school application game. That is such a long, tedious process.
2: It's so insane. I've been putting them all in a word doc, like all the answers to everything, just because I want to see like how many actual words it has been. And right now I'm at, hold on. 36,412
0: words just like a small book you know
2: (laughs) it's insane (laughs) luckily some of them are repeats like you can kind of use some of the essays for some other apps but it's still just like insane
0: (laughs) the hoops the hoops we jumped through Hilly you were kind of bopping around this weekend Yeah. how's life how's how's some of the van life how's some of the home life treating you
1: Oh, yeah it's been a bit a bit hectic but it was good I was over um at one of the races a high lonesome 100 um crewing and pacing um an athlete of mine but she didn't have the best day she ended up dropping out but that's okay she was um
0: she I, te- was- I texted with her and she I was like dude it's like me after Madeira like I was the happiest DNF ever it's after that happy. race like sometimes it's just like the right call is the right call
1: Exactly. And I think she knew it. And like, she kind of went through all the strategies that like we had discussed of like, um, okay, like let's really figure this out. Like, is this the right decision? And, um, she was pretty at peace with it. So then we had some like cool chats and and, like hung out after and, um, you know, got to see some other people come in and yeah, there's a lot of people out of that race. It was, it was pretty fun.
0: Yeah. Caleb Efta and that crew puts on a really, really phenomenal event. So add it to your bucket list people high some 100 mile seems like a good a good deal. We'll talk more about that race in just a little bit and before we dive, dive into some results we have to give a quick shout out to one of our sponsors who's made this thing happen from the beginning and that's the folks over at AG1. That's right. AG1. That green powder, the green mysterious drink. Something that I have actually, you know, I like kind of eased up on the end back end of last week just to like be I'm like extra cognizant about my fiber intake pre-race but back back on the AG one this week, as I mostly eat pastries, drink coffee, and I'm in the smoothie, the smoothie game in a big way. But if you would like to add AG one to your life or to your smoothies, you can go over to www.athleticgreens.com slash trail society. And there you can get a one year free supply of immune supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first order. Go try some today and let us know what you think about the product, but we got to talk some results because there were some wild crazy things that happened over the weekend. I feel like it was a solid race weekend with some really big mountain hundreds in particular taking place in the Western part of the U S is what we're focused on predominantly. You were over at, um, high lonesome Hilly, I guess, kind of, can you walk us through just like those quick, those quick highlights of like, there were some good, there were some really, really cool results that came out of the front front end of that pack.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I think, like you mentioned, Caleb Efta, he's the race director and he's done a really good job, um, at promoting women participation in this race. So like Elise Mortis, the, the, the person who I was, um, crewing for and, and potentially pacing for at this race, she got in off the wait list because he's made it a, trying to get like 50, 50 percentage of women versus men on the start line. So there's quite a few women in this race. Um, but um, and we'll, you'll kind of see this in the results that basically the top three women were all in, um, the top 10 overall finishers, finishers, um, the, but I do want to touch on the, the overall winner of the race. That's Jimmy, Jimmy, Elam. And he, um, he won it in 1942, um, a new course record by, I think over an hour and a half, um, previously set by, um, Ryan, Did no, Ryan Smith have it. Smith. Yes. Smith. Um, so it's like a very, it's a very solid time. And this course is like, it's all at high altitude. It's very exposed. Um,
0: the first 50 K is like particularly hard Like it doesn't like like get easier, but it like it gets a little bit easier on the back part of the race. The first 50k is like a real butt kicker.
1: It's like it's yeah, it's basically like they they have a 50k course, like an actual separate race in in September, and it's basically the first climb of this thing. So, um, it's a it's a pretty intense race, and then um, yeah, and so then for the. So the women's race, Georgia Porter ended up winning and she was fourth overall. Um, and Marissa Watson was second and Marissa was like leading pretty much the entire race, but so she goes, it was second and it was only 17 minute gap. And so she was fifth overall. Um, and yeah, so they basically they had it like, it was an epic battle until mile 85. And then Georgia, um, kind of took it for the last, the last little bit
0: in her debut hundred mile. By the right. way, too, like first ever hundred for Georgia okay. Porter, so really cool to see. And she's—I think we know her more as like a fast ground mm-hmm. runner, and she like crushed it in a mountain hundred debut.
1: Yeah, so that was really scary.
0: Cool. That's terrifying.
1: Okay. <laughs> hey, but like the you know the the faster, flatter stuff, it translates. It's like that speed we've seen it for like you know the the qualifiers for the you know the Lake Sonomas, and they go over to Europe and then they crush the you know, the the mountainous, the mountainous races over there. Um, but then there's Lindsay McDonald, she was third and she was also ninth overall. So that's a pretty strong showing for for all the, the ladies at that race. Um,
0: yeah, super, super strong. And then we should give a a shout out to Sarah Ostawowski. Ostawowski, yeah. Um works I think at Nike, um, but lives in Flagstaff, crushed coconut 250 crushed URA. She took over the lead only at mile 80, I think in the, women's field, in the women's race, but she set a new course record and finished third overall at the URA 100 mile race. So quick shout out to Sarah because that was a phenomenal performance. Meredith Edwards had the course record previous to that. And I think Melissa Clark, I might have, might've have had the record previous to that. So you're seeing like a bunch of big mountain heavy hitters come through. Um, it's got like 44,000 feet of climbing or something Whoa. over a hundred miles. Hey. Yeah. It's got a super yeah. long, it's got a super long cutoff time. They start Friday morning. And I think they have until like Sunday at some point in time to finish. Um, it's like a 40 plus hour cutoff time. I think, um, super, super gnarly challenging. I think like her time was like 33 something hours. Like it's you're out there for. hot second um so give out a shout out to sarah and then um quickly wanted to brush through cascade crest we'll talk about it more in a second but yitka win who people probably won't know but this is her fourth win at cascade crest her fifth finish her fourth win she has the current The course has changed a little bit over time. This is an out and back version of the course. So it's not the normal, the normal course. Um, But she's got the course record on the looped version of the, like on the loop version of the course right now too. Um, She's a mom. She like works um, as an editor for REI. She's just a total badass. And then Amelia Boone finished second. Um, I ran with her most of the day. Um, And she, I think this is by far her like best hundred mile like run, like she struggled on the technical downhills, but like ran like some of the PCT, which was 60 miles of it, like really, really, really well. So super cool to see. And then I snuck in in third place got it done. Um, and then shout out to Brandon on the men's side, um, broke the out and back course record on this finishing in just under 20 hours, like out by himself in front. And he just ran such a smart, smart race He's a Washington guy. So have to give Brandon a little bit of a shout out there. He ran like 1957, I think. And Yitko was like sixth overall this year. I think Amelia was also in the top 10, I think. And then I was like 12th or 13th. So yeah. we had a great, a great competitive women's group at the front of that race, keeping it pretty tight for very, very far into the race. Um, but before we talk more about that, we've got to give two more shout outs. The first is Speedgoat. Um, and that is the shout out specifically is to Helen Mino Faulkner, who is just like on fire this season. Um, like a Tahoe area gal, part of that North based development team. Um, hopefully this is like sealing her, a uh, uh, official, like bigger contract in the future, but like, she's my, she's my like, Oh man, this person better get a, like a Roy top 10 nomination this year. Like has just had like stellar, stellar performances predominantly in like the 50 K to, um, 70, 80 K ish
2: distance. Well, um, she be- ran, she did broken arrow and then she had broken air. She won that race in Argentina.
0: Um, the UTMB ah. race there. She was second, like overall cool. behind Cody Lind. Cool. Um, and beat Emily Hoggard there. Um, and then she will be back at CCC this year. Um, cool. Part of that like strong women's group going to CCC. So I think if she can pull off. Has this been her
1: longest race? Right? CCC?
0: Uh, she did CCC last year, I believe as okay. well. I think she finished 14th or something. She was part of that. I don't think she finished top 10. I think she finished right behind Tara Fraga. I'm probably wrong. Yeah. Someone will sign into our DMs about it, but that's okay. Um, but yeah, I she's, feel like,
2: everyone talks about her and says she has the best attitude out there too.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, she's done and she's been at broken arrow a bunch. I think she's run the triple crown before she, I um, ran
1: against her. Like when I did the triple crown a couple of years ago, and we like, we passed each other at the very last. And then like, she passed me on the last downhill, but like, she's just so fun. We we're like hooting and hollering and like shouting yeah. each other on. She's just so nice. Yeah.
0: Yeah. She's the same coach as MK Sullivan, I think as well. I think, um, rick floyd coaches both of them um he used to live in reno lives out east now um so yeah she's just a solid solid mountain human mountain crusher um but yeah like great to see her pull off like a like a really solid victory at speed goat over the weekend and then just this morning again we're rec- recording on a monday a week ahead of when this is going to come out and the tahoe 200 just finished and the first wo- woman to win the tahoe 200 outright because remember Courtney almost won it outright, but mm. kind of got snuck at the very end or like almost closed. And then the guy like had a final, like final wind and brought it in and she was second overall. So Claire Banworth, um, who's from the UK, I believe just finished fifth at Hard Rock, like not that long ago. Like we're all still recovering from Hard Rock. I feel like as a media, media outfit hangover, um, mm. just finished fifth at Hard Rock, but just won the Tahoe 200 outright in 62 hours, 29 minutes. Um, And then she's supposedly, before her flight home, gonna go do a little fast pack on the Colorado trail. And she was like, yeah, I hope that I can do it in like, you know, like 10 days, which I'm pretty sure would be like the one of the fastest known times on that route if she does in fact fast pack it in 10 days. So <laughs> just like a stellar long trail.
1: I think, holiday. yeah, from the fastest known time podcasts, and I was doing that, I think the Colorado trail was like one of the nominations and the woman's fastest known time is, I think just under 10 days. For the Colorado
0: Trail yeah and I don't know if she'd be doing it supported or unsupported or self-supported more I feel like there's a lot of self-supporting on the Colorado Trail I mean that's where what they like sense cash sense. where they cash things yeah well you so, don't even
1: need to cash anything you literally pass through so many towns on the route so it's like you can yeah. just refuel from the from the towns
0: yeah so there's a lot of self-support that goes on for that yeah. FKT so yeah that's kind of what I'm assuming she's doing is self-supported mm-hmm. um but yeah really making the most out of her trip to the states a little hard Rock a little Tahoe 200 little Colorado Trail. you know just like a casual a casual July
2: that's wild what
0: has she done before this um she's most I feel like she's done like the winter um spine race in the UK she's Mm -hmm. predominantly like ultra long yeah um, that's what I thought running as a human yeah but she's not she's not very old I feel like she's in her like early to mid 30s um and is just like very very solid when it comes to mountain performances and 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 mostly like yeah those hard 100 miles plus hard hard long yeah i think she's in her early 30s um but yeah is into kind of those stage race multi-day 200 mile style um pushes and and runs a lot i don't think she i think for training a lot of it is like her racing essentially mm-hmm. um so just super super impressive i don't know where she's headed to next but she's uh, someone to keep an eye out on, particularly if you're into the the weird 160K plus discipline. Claire's probably going to be there. But I think that's that's it on the results side. I know it's kind of quick hitting, just like highlighting a few things, but wanted to give shout outs to those like just really stellar performances that we got to witness a little bit firsthand over the weekend. Um, you all are amazing and just taking on such uniquely challenging events all over the place. So let's hit some news. And right now there's a lot of stuff going on. There's the Tour de France Femmes going on, which we're not going to talk about today, but I'm so excited to talk about like the media numbers on the backside of it, just like, because we did that last year. And I think it'll be cool to kind of recap the eight day Uh women's stage race, um, probably on our next episode. So stay tuned for that. But the women's world cup is also going on right now. And Keely, you sent along a little snippet of news, um, coming from that side of sport.
2: Yeah, uh, the Australian Women's National Football Team just put a post out and they were basically talking about how they've sold more jerseys ahead of the 2023 Women's World Cup than the men's team, both during and since their World Cup, uh, which is just super cool. And I think they were showing this post just kind of to highlight how women's sports can gain traction when given the bandwidth too. So like when given resources, they actually can get as much, you know, support as the men's race or the men's, the men's sport too. And then this kind of came out after a post where they'd also showcase that their stadium um, was completely booked for the Australian game, which is so cool.
0: There are some posts too, and I forgot to like actually snag it for the podcast, but it was like the GDP value of like the Taylor Swift era's concert tour. Mm -hmm. And it's like the amount of money that that tour will bring in is like Larger than the GDP of like many nations. Oh my god! And like the the monetary boost that she does to like a state for like hotel revenue, et cetera, is like something mm. super insane. So we'll pull some of those numbers because I think it's like kind of wild. She Have you she's ever in, been to a Taylor
2: Swift concert? No, but she's in <laughs> Se- she was
0: in Seattle this weekend and like I think oh, like things were like was it was fun. I was grabbing a beer with a friend last night who was like delayed getting into town because of like Taylor Swift concert traffic. And then we were watching people walk to the light rail station in their era's tour, um, outfits, which was really, really so cool fun. to watch. Yeah. I had a bunch of friends that went to the concert last night. Um, so yeah, she was in town, which I think like there's a lot going on driving yeah. across the city was not, was not anyone's fair game last night, oh, but bet, yeah. yeah. So just crushing it on all sides of things, sports, female musicians, etc. And the last bit of running news we want to talk about is that, um, the, in the past week or so, the Pro Trail Running Association, we've announced um, a just kind of an athlete resource that was, there are a lot of long conversations with a number of lawyers and, and a number of female athletes um, from all over the world, kind of discussing updating maternity leave policy um, and language within athlete contracts. And so this is available to anyone who's part of the PTRA. Um, you have to log into the athlete's side of the website, and then it's under resources, Um, but essentially we can give you an overview of that. And this was also sent out to all the brand managers ahead of time as well. Like before this was published to the athletes or anyone else, like this was distributed to all brand managers within trail and ultra right now. So this is like in the hands of people who will be looking at contracts, but essentially they wanted to like, historically, I guess, for people who don't know this, um, uh, pregnancy has been deemed kind of like injury. And if you aren't able to perform. Um, if you're like, aren't able to race within six or nine months of injury, essentially, or over that period of time, like brands have the right within your contract to terminate your contract, to withhold pay, to decrease your retainer, et cetera. Um, it's very, it was very prevalent in road and track for a long time, but our contracts are oftentimes just like a slightly amended version of road and track contracts within companies. And so this language carries over to those trail and ultra contracts as well. Um, and so. And sitting down to kind of work through this, they wanted to talk more openly about maternity leave. And so specifically that includes the athlete's right to exercise 18 months of maternity leave and up to six months of compassionate leave from the date of an athlete suffering a miscarriage. Just understanding that like people are going through big physical changes. um, And that is also divvied up a little bit differently too. Like you could say, okay, it's gonna be you know, nine months for being pregnant and nine months to recover. From pregnancy type of thing was the idea of that eighteen month maternity leave window with like no fault to the contract. Um, you know, kind of one of those clauses reads as: should an athlete determine that more time is necessary for athlete's physical health and our mental health, the sponsor and the athlete shall discuss in good faith, while respecting the athlete's medical privacy, and appropriate extension based on the, upon the circumstance. In no circumstance shall athlete's maternity leave or comp- or compassionate leave extend beyond the agreement term. So it's protecting both the brand and the athlete. But I think it's like that's it's been really kind of nice to have updated language, um, mostly because contract jargon is really confusing, and so having this is really beneficial. It goes on to say, acknowledging that mutual interest in keeping athletes' image active and captivating the public during mater- during maternity, the sponsor and athlete should should collaborate to me, to mutually agree. Um, prior with written consent to continue any existing commitments, et cetera, stated in the initial agreement, appearances, podcast appearances, social media activity, et cetera. Um, Just kind of like honoring the athlete's like time of maternity while um, like recognizing that that is like important both for the athlete's image and for the brand's image in regard to that athlete. And then child leave was another piece of the puzzle too. And this goes for, and this is what you've seen with the PTRA work with UTMB for their pregnancy policy is that while we are acknowledging maternity and carrying a child is a really big physical and emotional task and like a long recovery period, we also want to acknowledge that surrogacy, adoption, um, the partner, you know, paternity leave or your partner um, is the one who's carrying, et cetera, that child leave is also on the table. um, And that is for both maternity and paternity leave, um, which basically there's a 16 week, agreement there where essentially like they can up exercise the right for up to 16 weeks of new child leave from the date, such as a new child, um, formally joins the athlete's immediate family. Um, which is once again, a lot of legal jargon, but essentially just like recognizing that like starting a family, growing a family in any way, shape or form is a big undertaking, both financially, emotionally, physically, et cetera. Um, and trying to, to honor that And I think that historically our contracts have either had these clauses or not had these clauses or not have have not been enforced, et cetera. But this is kind of continues to add new protections to athletes contracts, or at least open the door to have those conversations as well. Like I'm 33, I'm in year two of a three-year contract, like my next contract negotiation, like talking about potential pregnancy, like should be on the table. And I shouldn't be afraid to have that conversation with my sponsors. Um, But it's like a reality as well Mm -hmm. of like, yeah, it's very possible that I will be pregnant in my next contract. How does my sponsor feel about that? How do I feel about that, et cetera? So having some sort of framework to at least start that conversation on with something like this from the PTRA, PTRA, I think is uh, a step in the right direction. Um, and it was cool to like see a bunch of athletes kind of work together to, with, with um, two different lawyers to figure some of this stuff out. So go PTRA. If you're an athlete who qualifies to be, be be part of the PTRA, but you haven't figured out how to join or want to join, um, don't hesitate to reach out to me. I'm happy to answer any questions about the PTRA and kind of what we've been up to and how you can get involved or if you should get involved, et cetera. Um, we're, there's very little you have to do, but, um, we're hoping that we can, uh, improve our sport, not only for our generation, but for many generations to come down the road as well. Um, I guess before we dive into the meat and potatoes, we have to give one more shout out. <laughs> and that's to the feed. Does anyone have anything wonderful they want to say about the feed? No, I just got some more, like oh, they had like a
1: limited edition waffle flavor. I forget exactly what it was.
0: The cookies and cream was really good, and then the caramel was really one. good. But I'm hoping that there's more coming down the road because I'm all the- about limited edition flavors.
1: What's the second one that you just said? Caramel. Maybe it was that one. It's so good.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Keely,
0: what's been in your feed box most recently?
2: I think I said this last week. I've been like kind of a creature of habit lately. So I haven't really branched out, but I've been trying just like all different granolas in the breakfast area. So I try a new one every time. But this time I think I've gone through most. So I got the same uh, RX brand again, which I thought was pretty good. I'm a big granola fan though. So I feel like I don't really discriminate.
0: Yeah. Steven's a granola guy in our household. So I feel like we're putting, or like the, the feed, our feed boxes, putting him in granola, which is, which is good. I think he's got some co-residents who listen to this. So you guys can make fun of Stephen for his granola habit in the ER anytime. Um, but if you would like to also get a box from the feed or try a new product, you've got a race coming up. They've got new nutrition on the course that you've never tried before, be it hammer or goo or scratch, et cetera. You can go and get a one-off of that product to try ahead of your race so that when you roll into an aid station and they're like, we have grape goo roctane, you, know you know what you're in for or orange creamsicle heat or whatever I was drinking this weekend. You want to know what you're getting yourself into. So I think that um, being able to mix and match and try new products is a big deal. And being able to do that all in a one-stop shop at The Feed makes that really very easy, very convenient, very possible. They ship super, super fast. So again, that's www.thefeed.com dot com slash trail society, you're looking at $60 over the course of the year in credit doled out in $15 credit increments. That's a lot of money. That's like free bars. That's like, you know, half a bag of protein, et cetera. Like there's, there's money on the table here. So again, go over to www.thefeed.com slash trail society and try something from the feed today, but enough about the feed. Let's talk about me.
1: Yeah, this is a perfect segue. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, done, but this is, ta-da, we have the meat and potatoes. It's your interview, Corinne. Um, so we're going to talk to you about this thing that you did over the weekend. Um, but before we get into that, how are you going? How are you doing? How are you feeling? How is the recovery post-Cascade Crest?
0: Um, I have to say, having a husband who's an emergency medicine physician is like really nice because I <laughs> I mangled a few toes. I kicked, I think every other rock on the back half of the course. And it turns out generally speaking, this course is a loop, the Cascade Crest, 100 mile race out of Easton, Washington, and the first 15 miles are really rocky and dusty and ruddy and just like gross. Well, when it's an out and back, those are also the back 15 miles of the course. And I found every single rock out there and kicked them all. And my toes uh, were a little bit less than happy. So he's been a great a great medical provider in treating, treating my toe wounds so that everything stays, you know, top notch to be top up to shape. Um, but yeah, I also want to say I've never done a Friday mm. morning, hundred mile start and finishing then on Saturday morning and like having a Saturday and then a Sunday was really nice. Like to not like be finishing Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon or evening, and then rolling into a Monday morning. Like I'm all about Friday starts. Let's do it. Let's, let's not go to work on Fridays and let's start our hundreds <laughs> then because it makes, it makes the rest of the weekend so much easier.
1: Yeah. But high lonesome did that too. So, I mean, morning start or PM start. Mm, do you want to do it like full Euro style or <laughs> just kidding? Yeah,
0: no, there's definitely advantages and disadvantages to everything. I think all right. my next race will have a a more, a more European style start, but it's uh yeah, it's, Oh, I'm doing okay. I've been horizontal a lot since the end of the race, um napping and or just like laying, laying on different surfaces, but I'm walking around okay. I can go downstairs not right. sideways anymore. I can go down forwards, so I feel <laughs> like I'm really starting to evolve as a human again.
2: It's a big milestone.
0: It's a huge milestone. Not having to like hold onto the handrail and go down sideways is like a, a huge quad milestone.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, so before you started this race, um, you know, I read your, your post about it, that this is, you're pinning on your first hundred mile race bib since 2019. Um, and we know that you've had some ups and downs with injury, um, you know, moving across the country, getting married, some pretty big milestones. Um, so how did it feel to kind of pivot that bin off the that bib on and like to toe the line at Cascade Crest? And was, but was there anything like in particular kind of going through your mind? Cause it can be kind of like a scary, you know, like a scary moment to, to be at a star line again.
0: Yeah. It's like super interesting because I was joking with someone that I'm on like the Olympic cycle of 100 miles where I'm just going to do one every four (laughs) years. Apparently Um, I don't think that's the case, but it's kind of felt like that. And I've run long since then, obviously I've run I did an 80-mile effort on TAM during the pandemic. I did a 171 mile effort on the TRT. But yeah, I haven't pinned a race. I haven't finished a hundred-mile race since Western States 2019. And I haven't I haven't pinned a race, a hundred-mile race bib on since UTMB 2019. I've like since finished a couple shorter ultras. But yeah, like between the pandemic and injury, um, I had a lot of moments where I was like man, like, do I do this anymore? Like, am I, am I like a, I, like, I, I consider myself kind of like a hundred mile specialist. Like that's kind of like been my favorite area of racing. And I haven't done one in a long time. Like, am I still a hundred mile specialist? And so I think I had, like, it felt really good to get like the monkey off my back. I think of like ripping the bandit off, getting like, into the start line, feeling like my body was feeling really normal ahead of it. Like, I think I told Keely this maybe in passing that like tapering felt really good for the first time in like 18 months because I feel like I actually did training Mm -hmm. and then like had a thing to taper from. Because I think getting, like getting to the start line of TDS last year, which did not go well. And I dropped out and even getting to the start of both Madeira last year and this year, it was like, I was just getting by with training. Like I was like, I felt like I was cramming for the exam. I didn't feel like I could taper because I didn't feel like I had actually done the training to get there. So that was like a whole like little piece of the the puzzle. So I feel like that was a big deal to be like, Oh, I'm actually ready to go to a race because I've done, I've done the prep for the race specifically. So right. that was, that was huge, like a big milestone.
1: So, I mean, and with that, I think I want to get into the, the training too, because that's obviously like a big, like that, that is a big also hurdle to overcome just from, you know, injuries. You feel like sometimes you can't get into that rhythm of actually training adequately preparing. But do you think that racing on your home trails actually, did it help anything like with like mentally kind of knowing what you had to, um, had in front of you, right? Like you knew the terrain, you kind of knew roughly where you're going if you haven't been in every single part of it. And this course this year was now I'm back too. So you can kind of like see all parts of the course. Did that mentally help you at all?
0: I will say though, on the way back, I was like, I don't remember this. Like I thought this, I'd be like, I thought this section was all uphill and then there'd be like a flat that we were running. And I was like, I don't want to run. I want to hike. Like, why is there a flat here? Or like there's one final uphill before, like you officially drop like 4,000 feet in the last like six-ish miles of this race, but you've already descended like 2,000 feet. And then you've got like a 500 foot climb. It's like a 13 minute climb. And you like, you totally forget that it exists. And you're like, oh crap, we have to go up this big hill now. Um, so an out and back is great, but you definitely like completely forget what you ran, you know, 12 hours ago, but I will say that, like, I wanted to do a hundred mile race or like a local big race on, you know, quote unquote home trails, because that applies like a different style of pressure. Like, I think that when racing locally is honestly the scariest type of racing because you like have this weird internalized pressure of like, well, this is my community. Like I have to perform for them or like, I'm, I'm like one of the local, like hitters. Like I should be able to like do well here or win this thing or whatever. Um, so I think there's like some interesting pressure applied at local races that like are, it's totally internal. Like it's not like, it doesn't come from anyone else. Like it's, it's something that I think we create for ourselves. Um, but I got to experience pressure in racing without having to travel internationally, without having to fly across the country. Like I literally slept in my bed Thursday night in air conditioning, which was great. And then we like woke up early and we started driving over to Easton at like 5 15 AM. Um, so that we can make it there for like pack, like packet drop off. Um, cause everything was in the morning of the race and we were starting at 8 AM. Um, so yeah, we like left, left Seattle at 5 15 rolled over to Easton. We're there by six 15, et cetera. So it's like, it was really nice and convenient to race on my home trails, but it was this kind of balance of, pressure applied by it being a local race without having to do the heavy lifting of going all the way to Europe for that hundred mile race pressure, et cetera. So I think it was good practice for hopefully some future endeavors. Nice. And I had all my friends out there cheering and it was so special. And then all my friends were pacing my other friends that were racing or running and crewing. And so it was like, like when Yitka who I like only kind of know we've been texting, we're going to run together. Some, um, our schedules just don't always align. But like my friends were pacing her. And so when they came like flying by me, like I was standing still, it was like my friends cheering for me and like Yitka cheering for me and me cheering for her. And then like Amelia's crew were like that she put together, you know, three weeks ago were like my friends as well from the area. So it's like, we all were like, and they were, and they were yelling at me and it was, um, Those local experiences are really cool where it's like, oh, my entire, my brother came out to the halfway point with his cat, like (laughs) random friends of ours came out to the halfway point who I wasn't expecting, I weren't expecting to see there. Like it was uh, because it's 45 minutes from town. Um, And so it was really, really cool to see a bunch of, a bunch of friends.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, so the, I think that's also like a really special part about it. Um, obviously, I mean, you can have that with anyone at the, cause we know everyone at all these, these races, but still it's like it adds just like a little local flair and like, it's, it makes it so special, but, um, yeah, so I guess like how, because I mean, we knew you were you were training, and your training was going well with all like the intervals that you. I remember the like when you first talked about that you had, you were doing like run intervals, and you're like my le- my lungs can take this, but my legs like they're learning to turn over fast again. So how how did that that training build and and block? You know how did it go? How did how how did your body hold up? How was it harder physically or mentally? um yeah just kind of tell us about that
0: yeah so I um feel like I'm in a a more I'm still like lower volume than I think I've been historically in the past which is not bad I think it's fine um I also think that like it's really easy to like look at mileage instead of time and be like oh like a 60 mile week here is like an 80 mile week in San Francisco and I have to remind myself that like a 60 mile week in Seattle like in Issaquah is a 80 mile week in the headlands, just like due to the nature of our terrain for the most part, like you have to work for flatter stuff here for sure. In a big, in a big way. Like we have a lot of hiking, you want to train for a hiking race. We got you covered. Um, yeah, you want to find the gnarliest stuff to go up and down. We've got you covered. So I think it's like recognizing some of that and just getting comfortable with it. But yeah, I did my first this spring, like this block has been the first time I've been able to do intensity on my feet since getting hurt in 2021. So it's been like two years of like not being able to do like anything more than like light strides basically. So being able to do like LT style intervals or tempos and that kind of stuff, like haven't been able to do that because that's been the thing that's like set my adductor off, which has been part of this like bone stress injury pattern, um, like in and around my pelvis. And so that was really cool. It was like really, really fun. I've like been working hard with my PT to manage and mitigate. I go into the gym, like a former cross-country skier. And I just like want to lift the heaviest shit. And just like, I end up hurting myself because I'm like, yeah, like put all the plates on the bar, let's go. And I'm like, okay, Corinne, you like, don't lift that regularly. And it's been a hot second. So you can't do that. So I did like work with my PT to like scale stuff appropriately to make sure that I was like doing the things I needed to do, um, to be able to hold up in training. And then we also got creative, um, with, um, my coach, Adam St. Pierre to, I did a lot of, some of my longest days were actually like, instead of one long run, it was a multitude of runs, um, kind of like cluster running, which Hillary, I think you've done some of as well, where it's, you know, I did, you know, several two, I did three, two hour runs over the course of a day, or I had like a day at Western States, like Western States week where like just fitting running in around things. I think I did like three or four runs. Over the course of the day, like I went for a run and then I joined Keely for a run. And then I went for another run with friends. And then I finally did a shakeout and it was like, you know, a 28 mile day, but it like it took four runs to get it in type of thing. So, well, I don't think that's ideal per se, I think for hundred mile training specificity and like making it work, it worked. And I also think that like when I was doing some of those shorter long runs, but having more throughout the day, I had less like breakdown. And so I ran with better form, et cetera, and wasn't like really falling apart in, you know, hour five of six type of thing as I like, because I was breaking the run up. So that was really, really good. But yeah, trainings looked a little bit different than it has in the past, but I feel like, I feel like I'm finally, I go out the door to run and I'm not like, will my body work today? Like, it's kind of like, cool. I can go for a run and life is pretty, like, I can trust that my body's going to do what it's supposed to do for the most part, like nine days out of 10.
1: That's a really cool feeling. I mean, I think I think that's really that's really tough. Um I'm going to kind of like um hop around a little bit cuz I think this is this is uh relevant to a question that I want to ask. But I mean, you know, we were talking about like, you know, DNF's, right? And um a little bit earlier with uh in our conversation in the the results section, but um you know, trusting your body again. It's a huge milestone to overcome when you're able to train and feel like you've trained adequately and prepared for this race but then like come race day and something happens right like you've had this happen um I remember specifically in TDS your body was like nope right it was like
0: hard hard no
1: hard no and like you made the right the right call to you know to listen to that to stop um and you know, and something you know similar happened in, in Madeira where it was just like you're you're listening to these cues that your body was telling you to like, okay, like this is enough. Like we we're not ready yet. So I'm I'm wondering if there was any of that fear um going into our or even a moment, right? Um, during this race. Like did like of that journey of like trusting yourself again, we you had to be like okay, what is this? Is this like a normal hundred mile pain or is this something else? Like, did you have to combat with any of with any of that?
2: I feel like I got,
0: no, I feel like I went into this one like really confident in my body of just like knowing that it was going to be okay. Like TDS last year, like in hindsight, I shouldn't have started. Like I knew that. Like I, I like didn't feel good about starting, but like talked to my support system and they were like, you should just do it. Like if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. That's fine. Like you can drop, you can, like you can, finish dead last. Doesn't matter. Like, just like, let's, let's get to the start line. Let's do it. And I like, in hindsight, know that I should have listened to my body and just not started that race. Um, and TDS was like, or, and then Madeira was like a prep into this, where it's like, I feel like that was a stepping stone to get here. Like I wasn't quite ready for the full day at Madeira, but it was definitely like that still was a confidence booster for cascade crest, which might seem weird that a DNF was like a confidence booster. But I made it through 53 miles with a ton of vert, like relatively, like fine. Like I felt like I got more out of that race than I deserved, um, from like a training perspective, and knew that that would serve me well, moving towards Cascade Crest and any other future goal. Um, so yeah, it was interesting. Like going into this, I think because of those previous experiences, like I didn't have any of the fear I had this time around, like I did before TDS last year. And then I feel like my build into um, into Cascade Crest, like off of Madeira felt really relatively smooth, like sold some hiccups. Like I like threw my back out one week and like, et cetera. There were some, there were definitely some craziness that went down, but I didn't at any point, I wasn't like, okay, like, let's see what happens with the pelvis. I was like, okay, like, we're going to go, like, we're going to go run a hundred mile race type of thing. Like things are going to happen out there, but it wasn't like a, okay, body. Are you sure you got this type of like sensation at all?
1: Yeah, no, I think that that's, that's really good. And that's also like, I mean, that's a huge, that's a huge win. That's amazing. Right. Like, cause that can be really scary. Um, it's almost like, sometimes I feel like in these races, we we can try to forget that feeling of like, what is just being really tired and like, Mm -hmm. you know, what's like, what's more than that. Um, no. So I think, I think that's awesome. And that's like super good to hear, but, um, I want to hear more about the race. Um, specifically you said you shared a lot of miles with Amelia um and that's got to be so cool right because it's like sometimes there needs hundreds they can just get so spread out you're just like you spend hours and hours alone you actually weren't that far behind her at the end so it's like seemed like you guys shared a lot of miles and I read on her post something about like you keeping her entertained in the tunnel which I do know which tunnel this is. I've cycled through this tunnel. It could get quite dark. Um,
0: oh, it's very. You need a light. It's like a two yeah. mile long tunnel.
1: It's really long. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So yeah. Can you kind of tell us just about, about the race and like, just generally like how it played out and we can kind of get into more specifics,
0: like fueling and other low moments and things like that. Totally. So it's funny. Cause it's like this really cute little start. It's like very much a grassroots, but it's like a race. that has been around for a long time. Like it's got a lot of, I understand why people, there's one dude there who finished just ahead of me, who he did his first cascade crest at 17. And this was his 18th cascade crest. Whoa. Um, so people keep coming back to this thing. Like Yitka, it's her fifth, fifth finish, fourth win. Like this is a race people do time and time again and um, that you can you you understand why when you're out there like it's a really special race but we start and I'm so used to these like stupid European starts where like if you don't run a six minute mile like you're going to get trampled and like we start and it's like Brandon and Elon and I at the front like running like, 645 pace and I'm like oh like I guess I don't have to run this fast like we're not gonna get run over by anyone like we can chill out a little bit but we started on like a rail trail. For like a mile and a half, so it's like just cruiser miles and like, well you know, take the easy mile while you got it, etc. Um, and so like I let I was like leading immediately, like not intentionally, just like that's the way it shook out. And you start climbing immediately too. Like I think the first 12 and a half miles have 6,500 feet of climbing. Um, And there's about 23 ish thousand feet of climbing, 23 to 25 ish thousand feet of climbing in this race, but you get yeah 6,500 feet in like the first 12 miles. Which is a way to start a race for sure um <laughs> so like naturally it was just like very i think of the women on the podium i think i'm the probably the strongest hiker of the bunch and so like just naturally gravitated towards the front um of the race the pct that's more rolling like amelia was super strong on and then some of the like longer descending Yitka just like throttled us on all on um but like quickly was at the front and just like had a pack of guys that I was running with, like chit-chatting with, like, like having a great time. It was very, very fun to have like some people just to like, like cruise along with um, up some like very fun, beautiful trail. Um, And then Amelia and I like made official contact with one another. Cause we were, I think only like a minute or two apart over the first 20 miles. Like, I think I was just, just ahead of her for the most part, but like just out of sight for a lot of that. Um, but we came through the, we made contact with one another, I think coming into Tacoma pass around 22 miles. Um, and so we came into that a station together where we both had drop bags and it was starting to get hot. And so we both took a little bit of like, took a moment to like, make sure we're getting ice on us. Um, she left that a station right ahead of me and I like left right behind her hiking, like trying to eat a bit. Um, and we kind of leapfrogged from there. Like if it was hiking, I'd bridge back up to her. If it was like more of a long downhill because she has like six feet long legs. She would like, just like smoothly run away from me on some of the downhill stuff. And we did that all the way until the Hayek mile 50 of the race. Like, just like us running together, us running apart, us running together, us running apart for that entire time. She was running with a broken pinky, which we discussed in the last episode. And so she was descending. I don't think she loves technical descending to begin with, but she was being a little bit cautious too, with her finger. And it's kind of this like horribly chonky downhill on your way to the tunnel. Cause it's like, they literally like string ropes through the trees and you're just kind of like ping-ponging between trees on your way down. And so I closed really quickly on her right there and actually stopped to cheer on the lead guy coming up the hill. Like I let go of the ropes that he could have it and like stepped off to the side and like gave him a cheer and then got down to the bottom and closed to, I was like, oh, it's really cool. Like Amelia and I can come into high act together. Like if I close down this, like, you know, sixty second gap. Like we can come into Hayak like side by side, which would be so cool. And Cascade Crest to have like the top two women like at at the fifty one mile mark, like the halfway point, like together. Um, and so close to her in the tunnel, we both like accidentally pulled the nipple off a water bottle. Like each of like we each like within thirty seconds of each other, we're trying to drink from a water bottle, pulled like the nipple off the top of it. So it just said like water, or in my case, heed like just shooting out everywhere in the dark, um, try and like, there's like bikes coming by us. And like, there's the men are are coming back towards us with pacers as well. And we're just like, both just like, kind of like losing it in this tunnel and like close to her. And we like run, run that stretch in together. And we're just like, you know, kind of cracking jokes and laughing our way into Hayek, um, like come into that aid station together. And then i think i get out of the we both stop to change shoes we've gotten so much stuff in our shoes on that like really loose rope descent Um, so we both stop to change shoes i get out of the aid station just ahead of her um she doesn't pick up a pacer there she picks up a pacer at mile 69 i think um but we like we she leaves just ahead of me and i lead her like back up the climb all the way to the next aid station and at that point, like my stomach's a little bit off and we can talk more about lows here in a second, but essentially at that age station, I was like, Amelia, you're like, you should go. Like, I just need to take a second to fit, like fix something. And so at that point, like she, you know, like I stayed there for another minute or so. And so that was the gap that remained for a while. It was like, I was a minute or two behind her. Cause I just took a second to like, try to reset my stomach. Um, and then in that next section, Yitka, who was probably like 10 minutes down at us at Hayek comes flying by, like, isn't stopping at aid stations. Like, you know, this is the Yitka, you know, who's like, she's won this race many, many times. And you're just like, oh, okay. Like there's clearly a reason why she's very good at this thing. So she comes flying by me. Like I'm standing still, her pacer's cheering for me. She's cheering for me. Um, I'm like sort of dropping my pacer on this section. Cause it's kind of like technical gradual downhill, but it's like all very like Rocky and Rudy. Um, and like need a little bit more time at the next aid station because my stomach is like really upset at this point and so but we're we're passing all these people because it's this out and back so we've got all these runners coming at us and they're like oh my god like the three of you are like within two minutes like amazing work and we're like yeah we we know thanks like just like yep mm-hmm. and so like that probably lasted you know i think all the way until stampede pass like mile 70 ish like that's kind of what that gap held at um and then I, le- I took some, I took an extra time there to eat some noodles, um, to try to get calories in. Cause I was running behind and then left with Steven, um, to, for his first time ever pacing me in an ultra and proceeded oh. to like, he's like, we got, we're up this climb and he's like, Hey, Karen like you need to eat something. And I was like, I don't want to. And he's like, no, you need to eat something. So I try to eat a gel and I proceed to like vomit up everything I've eaten in like the last hour and like everything I've drank in the last hour. So I'm like vomiting. My husband who's never paced me in an ultra is like, wow, this is something. And I was like yelling like bon voyage noodles. Cause I was like vomiting up the noodles I'd eaten. Like everything was like coming out. It was not great. Um, but in that moment, and I like laughed about this on Strava or something. I was like, oh man, like in my head, I was convinced only the winner gets a sweatshirt and like had a moment of panic being like, I wanted one of those sweatshirts. Like now I'm not gonna get one. Like that's kind of a bummer. I started eating saltines at the next aid station, which I've never had saltines in a race, which sounds like the driest, most horrible option ever. But I was like, oh, when you're sick, you eat saltines. Like, this is fine. Um, But yeah, it took a while to come back from that low moment. And that's, I think I just like, I needed to spend, I went from spending like 90 seconds at aid stations to like spending like five or six minutes at every aid station, just because I needed to like physically stop in order to eat anything or drink anything. And so we just kind of like lost a ton of time in that probably like, probably like a 12 or 15 mile section where like, I needed that to reset. And then like picked up Matt Mitchell to pace me into the finish, like the final 20 22 miles. And by the time we got up, like our first big climb out of there, I like was feeling more and more like normal and good. And we actually ran like a really good back 15 miles of the race. And at the end of the, and I still was taking more time at aid stations. Like I stopped at the 50, like 16 mile to go aid station or 18 mile to go aid station and like they fed me a quesadilla with uh instant mashed potatoes in it and it was like the best thing I ever had and I didn't really want it but they're like what are you gonna lose just like eat the freaking quesadilla and I was like okay and then I was like oh this is actually tasty like I'll have another piece um and cuddled with a the puppy there for a second and then we like took off from there and at the next aid station like I didn't want, they had bacon and I was like, I don't want bacon, but they're like, they're like, okay, we've got broth. Like, do you want broth? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, okay, it's are we have to heat it up for you. And I was like, oh, maybe I don't want broth then. And then Matt's like, where, what are we going to do? Corinne? Like, what, like what, what kind of rush are you in right now? Like, just, just wait a couple minutes to have some stupid broth. And I was like, fine. So I'm like in a blanket at this aid station, like waiting for broth and like cracking jokes with aid station volunteers. And then from there we ran like a really awesome final 12 and a half miles into the finish and it's like funny in hindsight, like I have so much respect and like, I'm just so blown away by Yitka and Amelia's runs. And it just like goes to show you like how critical, like all these little pieces are. Cause like, if we, I look at our moving times, for example, like my moving time is the fastest of the three of us, but I completely fell apart and I had to like spend time at aid stations and I had to like stop to vomit. And I had to do all these little things that like, yeah, zero minute miles add up. And in this case, like it added up to, you know, like being an hour back type of thing. So it's like that it's just like, it's really cool. Like, to me, it's really exciting to be like, okay, like I moved well when I was moving, but I also had some moments where I was not moving at all. And that is like, where I see like the opportunity for growth and lessons learned. And like, I will get to take that stuff forward with me into the next, anything I race next and being like, okay, I'm willing to try X, Y, or Z thing earlier. I'm willing to recognize what I messed up and like, try to like, try to address that ahead of time, et cetera. So I think it was like, overwhelmingly, I'm really happy with the day, even though it definitely was like far from perfect. And I had to fight some demons and my pacer Nikki, who's seen me like happy go lucky at Western States twice was like, yeah, that's like the deepest I've seen you like in the like concentration bubble. Like you just like, were very much like, I'm just surviving right now. Like nothing will come in or out because I am surviving. So we did it. We made it to the finish line. We were sub 24 hours It was my slowest hundred mile ever, um, <laughs> by like 45 minutes or something. Cause Leadville was my slowest previous. Um, but it's, yeah, it was everything we could have hoped for. And the volunteers were amazing and insane. And they, the, uh, Easton junior cadets, like the junior firefighters, um, had a milkshake and hamburger stand at the end. And so we oh. waited around for milkshakes and had milkshakes before we went home and showered and napped. Um but yeah, just like a very special race with very um and like incredible people volunteering on course, running the course, et cetera. So feel very like as I, I posted an Instagram post today and I was like gratitude. Like I'm taking a lot of gratitude away for from like this experience in the race.
1: Oh, that's amazing. I love that race cap
0: because it is it's that's like- my monologue.
1: Oh, it's so good. Cause it's like a series of these, of these moments. Right. But then they, like you live a day out there. It's like a, it's Mm -hmm. like a lifetime, like in in the course of these hundred milers. But, um, I'm curious. I mean, you said you did get a, like, I only have a few other questions. I think you like kind of talked about, you just talked about everything just so, so succinctly, but what about, um, do you have any, like, I know you said you got a little bit behind on feeling, but do you have any, like numbers associated with like your, like your fueling facts. This is the Keely question. She wants to know, she wants to know your, your fuel facts. Keely's
0: (laughs) Keely's not going to be pleased with me. Um, I don't, I don't know exact numbers, but I did better than Madeira. So Keely, Keely gave me a hard time rightfully. So after Madeira, when I was like, I physically had to stop in order to eat, I ate better than that. But what I botched this time was hydration, Mm -hmm. um, in which I needed, it was definitely warmer earlier than I think I was willing to like play into. And I just think I was behind on hydration. And I think it was like one of those very like, it wasn't like a whoa, we're behind on hydration. It was like a very slowly turning the dial in the wrong direction on hydration. Um, And I think I need to play with some other salt solutions. Um, Like I'll drink whatever's out there. Like they had heat and I don't mind heat and it's got some calorie in it. It's got electrolyte in it, et cetera. Um, but I think there were moments where I wasn't drinking enough fluid and I didn't have any plain water on me. And so I like, by the, by the back third of the race, I was like craving water. I've never craved water in my entire life, Mm -hmm. like never in a race, never in my day-to-day life. Like I'm kind of a chronic underhydrator type of thing, but I know when I don't hydrate well, I don't thermoregulate well. And I know when I don't hydrate or thermoregulate well, I don't eat well. And so I think that's like kind of what set the stomach off down the road was like, just being behind on hydration, probably between mile 20 and mile 60 or mile 20 and mile 50 ish or something like that, where like I took me a while to catch back up or like find some sort of equilibrium. Um, but ate really well early on, like feel like I did a really good job eating in the first, um, 40 ish miles. Um, like I'm fine getting to mile 80 and then needing like Coca-Cola from there to the finish. But I would have loved to have better fuel coming in between like 45 and 65 miles. Um, that would have been a little bit more delightful um, and like played with a bunch of different product. And I think that was really helpful, but I want to experiment a little bit more with some um, more like some more potato style things early. And so I can hope, I think I had palate fatigue too. Like, I think I just like, I think a lot of my like nausea was associated with palate fatigue, where I was like, I don't want this, therefore I can't eat it. And I think if I extend akin to like a road cycling race, like in the tour, right, they're eating like rice balls and that kind of stuff for the first three hours of the day. And then they switch to gels in the last three hours. And so I think if I can prolong my palate fatigue by adding some different things earlier in my race, when my stomach is a little bit more game for it, um, I think I probably just had like a lot of acid in my stomach, um, and needed some cheese earlier. And I think that would have helped neutralize my stomach situation, but I was adamant that a quesadilla was going to be awful. And it turns out, no, I was, I was actually pretty darn tasty. So don't fear <laughs> the quesadilla, um,
1: it's, it's the cheese thing. Remember it's like Katie Shide and Camille, <laughs> so the cheese sandwiches and UTMB and then our coach, Adam St. Pierre, I was feeding him is all up handies during hard rock. <laughs>
2: that's I know.
0: I know there's something, there's something magic about cheese. I'm sorry for lactose intolerant, but there's something magic about cheese that helps with like stomach acid, I think, um, late in ultras. So yeah,
2: yeah the calcium.
0: Yeah. So love it apparently. So I'm going to be playing with some stuff, stuff that's easy to prep internationally as well, or easy to find internationally kind of generically, I think will be kind of key there. So I'm going to play with some instant potato stuff and I'm going to play with some, um, like sandwiches, essentially, like really like the fluffiest white bread and cheese situations. Um, so that hopefully tortillas, whatever I can play with that for future iterations. But yeah, I think it was a hydration. I feel like in Madeira I hydrated well, but ate poorly. Here I ate pretty well. Like I ate an uncrustable at mile twenty-two, just like putting a whole uncrustable in. Love uncrustables, Smuckers. You're doing something right. Um, they're probably I don't know they're probably like an evil corporation somehow, but. Um, like white, white bread, peanut butter and jelly, like had no issues with that type of thing. So I think it's like just being a little bit, once again, it's just like lessons learned mistakes made, but, um, it's nice when it's your stomach and it's not like, oh, I just wasn't fit enough or like, oh, my quads fell apart or like, oh, like I was just really tired. It was like, oh, I like ran a really strong last like 15 to 18 miles cool. Like I can, I can figure out this other piece of the puzzle. So the goal is to make my triceps stronger because my triceps got really tired using poles. Um, haven't been hitting the gym hard enough. And then, um, yeah, the, some more tricks to play with hydration and nutrition wise. So I give myself like another, like, I don't know, probably B minus C plus that seems generous. I don't think I failed nutrition, but I definitely like,
2: I think you're going to be minus for at least like trying new stuff. Yeah. You know, thanks, like you were willing thanks to try the quesadilla. You're trying all these other things. I feel like the, the C grades get, if you become stubborn and you didn't feel well. Yeah. You
0: know, no, my, my pacer Nikki after the fact was like, yeah, I think I should have tried to get you to eat something different earlier. And I was like, I don't think I would have listened to you. Mm-hmm. Like now I would. Like next time you pace me and I'm like this, well, hopefully I'm not like this, but if I am like, I'll listen Never. to you because mm-hmm. you'll be like, remember the last time you did this. But in that moment I was like, no, you can't make me like we got to, mm-hmm. I hadn't vomited yet. I think when I was yeah. with Nikki and so that was probably part of it. I was more willing to get <laughs> yeah. weird. It's after so the easy vomiting to do that
2: way when you're tired and bonky, you know, cause like yeah. Western States 2021, that was me. Like after hundred K people would be like, you need to eat. And I'm like, nah. No, I don't like, want what to. do you want I'm like nothing and it's like I don't no, like just food it up and eat something
0: <laughs> I was who was I talking <laughs> to I was talking to someone in an aid station and I was just like I was like oh eating is the worst right and it's like another guy who's out there running and he's like yeah I'm pretty overeating right now and I'm like this is awful but they had like potato soup they had all sorts of stuff that would have been good if I had just like taken a moment to like not be an idiot so don't if you're listening to this don't be an idiot practice your nutrition know your strategies. And then also like when things go right, these aid stations are really good. And like, they wanna take care of you. And it turns out like there's a reason why quesadillas are at all trade stations. It's not just because we like cheese. Like, mm-hmm. I think there's a method to the madness here. There's something about it that works.
1: Yeah. But I guess the final question I have for you is uh, what's next besides some more horizontal time? <laughs>
0: Yeah. I, um, yeah, I'm going to take things pretty darn chill. My toes need to recover, um, a little bit. I've been walking and I'll like, I've got, it's nice to have a dog. because like they require some movement. Um, and they just kind of tow you on a leash, which is nice. Um, but I am going to do, I'm going to go to Cape town and I'm going to do the hundred mile at ultra Trail Cape town at the end of November. And I'm so I'm breaking my four year Olympic cycle of hundreds and I am gonna do a second one this year, assuming that like recovery and everything goes well. Like so far, everything seems good, mentally, energy is good, et cetera. But my my plan and hope and goal is to be in Cape Town and it is to hopefully do the hundred mile there. If something physically is a little bit off, but I feel like I can do get the fitness for the hundred K, then maybe I would do that. Um if I need to shorten it, but I would really like to do the hundred mile there after watching you run it last year. So that is the oh, current plan is to go to Cape fun. Town. So
1: cool. Maybe I'll be there too. Who knows?
0: <laughs> come hang out with me.
1: Oh my gosh, that'd be great. Who knows? I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> yeah,
0: you can. Well, if you just want to come feed me potatoes, I am open, open for potato feeding as well.
1: Well, I think, um, oh yeah, definitely. Maybe, I mean, is the 100K or the 100 miler on the same day? No. The yes. 100 miles starts Later. Friday
0: and the 100K starts Saturday.
2: They
1: overlap, though. Yeah, yeah, we overlap. I remember because, like, I remember Drew Holman just like passed me, like I was standing still. When
0: he was running you're like, I'm trying to run down this downhill. <laughs> oh man,
2: oh it was so cool. Like, uh, I thought I was yeah. running fast. Never mind. Like I'm moving, but he's flying. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Um, it's uh that was Kelly Wolf passing me in Madeira, not this year, but last year. I was like, Oh, you're running. Yeah, yeah. And she was yeah. in the 50 mile, and I was like, I am not. I'm making it. You are running. Yeah. It's a different, different world, but heck yeah. Everyone come to Cape town. That's my plea. Let's come hang it. out with us in South Africa. It's my mom's a- coming.
1: Oh man. I know. Actually my parents, after seeing me go there, they're like, we're going to go on vacation in South Africa. I was like, just come for the race. <laughs> yeah. My mom's going to fly
0: in like Wednesday of race week or Tuesday okay. of race week. And then we're going to stay in Cape town until the 5th of December.
1: Oh, that's amazing. Oh, nice. I'm very
0: excited. So I'm going on vacation with my mom.
1: So, love your moms <laughs> well um i guess corinne do you want to wrap this up we've got we've got some society slamming to do
0: we do and i i what i've been doing is i say keely you put all these wonderful society slams in here what do we have
2: who's been <laughs> who's been sliding into our dms the first one's a really yeah. easy easy question this first one's an easy question i think i'm gonna jump to the second one first So we have a shout out from uh, a fan about last week's episode with Amelia Boone. Um, she basically said the following Thank you so much for the open and authentic conversation with Amelia. My husband and I have decided not to have kids. And even though I'm 100% certain that's the right decision for us, I still have a lot of sadness and grief surrounding this decision. Listening to this episode, I think a lot of that grief stems from shame and fear for not living up to society standards for me as a woman. Thank you so much for helping to normalize that womanhood does not have to equal motherhood. And so oh, I'm sure I have that, like chills. You I know. I'm sure that's like echoed by a lot of listeners i saw a lot of different posts come through about people like resonating really well with amelia's story as well as like comments on the post so thanks for coming on amelia like and changing the narrative around this with us because there should be no shame in that decision
0: yeah um, i love you it was yeah. so good to see her this weekend she's phenomenal
2: i know another one we got um sorry for those of you who we haven't responded to yet but i plan to get most questions into the society slam. Um, but we have a question that's an easy one for us to answer from someone who recently moved to Seattle. They moved there from Tahoe and they're an avid casual trail runner and they're trying to find other trail runners. And so they asked if we had recommendations of running clubs in the area slash favorite trails around Seattle. So I thought we would just tackle this one with Corinne being the expert <laughs> in the area. Um, I and then can me, tell and, you me and Hillary things. can kind of go off this and just say, favorite places in our respective cities too, in case anybody's listening who needs, uh, ideas around Portland or Boulder too.
0: Sweet. Yeah. So if you're new to Seattle or you're in Seattle and you want trail runners, um, a couple things you can do. One is, um, seven Hills running shop in, uh, over by discovery park. They host a, I think it's like a Thursday night, um, trail run, uh, rich Lockwood who's phenomenal is there oftentimes Kim, um, Carmel who finished, um, fourth in Cascade Crest, she runs there a lot. Like it's just a really good group of humans and they run out of the seven Hills running shop in discovery park, um, on a weeknight run. And then the other big one is actually the cowgill collective. We had several cowgillers. I don't know if that's what you call them in plural outrunning Cascade Crest. Um, but they host like four or five runs throughout the week. They host like a Monday evening run. They host a Wednesday evening workout. And those are generally both like in the city Thursday mornings, they call them thirsty Thursdays and they host like a migratory trail run in the morning. Um, So sometimes they're at Tiger, sometimes they're at Cougar, sometimes they're in the city, like sometimes they're at Squawk. Like they like bounce around. Um, And then they have an evening, like an evening pub run on Thursdays as well. And then they oftentimes also have weekend runs, either demo runs or they like go camp somewhere for the weekend and, and go on a run Saturday and Sunday. Like they're super active. They're a huge group of humans. They are all very, very welcoming and very encouraging in the community. It was so cool to see so many of them out there um, this weekend running, racing, crewing, supporting, et cetera. Um, But they have a really active like social media presence. Like their Instagram account is generally how you figure out what they're doing for the week. Like they post their running routes, um, links to Strava, et cetera. You probably just follow them on Strava. I think they probably have like a Cowgill Collective Club there. There's a Trailrunner magazine piece about them. So check them out. They're probably like one of the best bets to like get tied into the trail community in Seattle. Um, I personally love to bop out to Issaquah because the tiger and cougar trails are just so wonderful, but if you're in the city itself, there's lots of really low, like great local parks, like discovery park is one of my favorites. Um, I live closer to like Seward park and that kind of stuff in the South, South Seattle zone, um, which is a combination of like paved and, and dirt stuff. But if you want you want trail trails, you're going to head, head over 90, you're going to head east over to Issaquah. And there is like the panacea of every variety of trail you could ever want. So good on you. I'm so, I don't know if I'm apologizing for you moving from Tahoe to Seattle or not. I personally love Seattle, but I know it's a big move. So those are my recs reach out. If you have any more questions, you can also slide into my DMS or Keely will pass along your information. Cause I'm happy to, to dive deeper into any specific Seattle recs for you all. What about you guys? Portland, Boulder, what's up over there?
2: Um, Yeah, I mean, I think in Portland, there's a lot of different groups and they're not like, it's not like the Calgill where there's just a ton of people in one group. Mm-hmm. which I love the Calgill for that. I've met them at a couple of races now and they're so fun. Um, but Portland, like Go Beyond has a group run. Wise y- Wolfpack has a group run led by- Calgill Eason. has
0: a Portland group now, I think.
2: Oh, well then I'll look into Calgill being Portland-based. Um, but there's a ton of good spaces to run in Portland. You can, if you come visit, like just run in Forest Park from the city, you don't even have to drive anywhere. And you can run like a 100 kilometer run if you really want to and not hit the same trail twice. So like, you know, plenty of options in the city and then just a short, like 40 minute drive out of the city, you can hit the gorge trails and those are pretty gnarly, a lot more climbing and they stay snow free, like almost all year round, especially the lower ones. And so there's options kind of everywhere. And so, yeah, the Portland area is obviously a great spot to run to.
0: Love it. What about Boulder?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, Keely and I, we met at Rocky Mountain Runners, so that's a good group. Um, <clears throat> but there's also a lot of stuff, like when I first got into trail running, I was actually living in Denver at the time, and I was in Denver Trail Runners, and they kind of, there's some nice routes where you can, there's a, like, big city, but then you can kind of go to, like, 30 minutes, um, and that's kind of how I got introduced into trail running. And then we also have, like, the Runners Roost. They also host, they're pretty active. They have a lot of um, events and, like, a group run every I think it's every Tuesday night, but then they also have like, um, they host like speakers and, um, like little fun events, like Kelly from rad, the real athlete diet. She is there a lot. Um, feeding athletes after the group run in for like the little videos and like chats that they host. Um, yeah. So there's there, um, there's, and then it's like, usually once you're there, then you kind of find out about all of these other groups and like, you can kind of find your people and then you just then you're like a part of the community
0: and then um, you're there you're stuck you can't go anywhere else and then you're Brian
1: Metzler there's like the he also started another running company in motion running they have also some run clubs there so so cool Amazing. Boulder was
2: one of the most welcoming groups I've ever met when when I moved there it was so cool
1: there's like Boulder trail runners just a ton of love.
0: Yeah. yeah 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 and you still have to find the right kind of vibe for you and there's yeah. definitely different vibes different groups have different vibes And you said the figure it out, they're generally all very welcoming, but it's like the, it's a vibe check for sure. It's like, what kind of energy do I need? What kind of seriousness do I need? What kind of like fun do I need? Is there iterations of this? that's better for me, et cetera. So, or, or you're getting outside of your comfort zone. And that's a big deal. Like for me personally, like too many people make me anxious. Um, And so I've had to like, be like, okay, I'm going to this cowgill run. I am ready for 40 people type of thing. But you have to, like, I have to physically like prepare myself for that because it can be a lot just to like, be like, I don't know who I'm talking to. Ah, panic. Um, so I understand the, the panic that ensues with trying to meet, meet friends and be part of these running groups. So good luck to you all. If you have more questions, send them away. Hillary, it sounds like you ran into Anime Flynn this weekend.
1: Oh yeah. I was going to add something in this, and this is kind of related to like a future episode that we're probably going to do, but I ran into her. Um, she's been, uh, kind of overcoming a, a, like a hip injury and she's been kind of working back and
0: like post surgical. In-
1: yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I was saw her and just kind of like chatting about that. Um, I was actually on my way back from like a little bike run adventure <laughs> and I saw her and Gus Gibbs running together. Um, but yeah, she was basically just really appreciative. And like, she was, um, we were talking about kind of like my multi-sport stuff and um, you know, how she'd appreciate the, the perspective of yeah, like how, you know, you tackle that to like emphasize being like a lifelong runner and kind of what that means with cross training or, you know, targeting certain races and how, how many times a year that we should actually, you know, target to race and like big Mm -hmm. events. And um, so, yeah, I think this is going to kind of fuel, we've talked about it an episode um, later in the year. So,
0: yay. I love it. I love it. I love it. anime. may. We love and appreciate you as well and we know that you are on a journey back it sounds like with western states is the goal very excited about like i want her to be fired up and it sounds like she is so heck yeah on that front well i think that's that's it for today y'all we hope you enjoyed our little cascade crest recap and deep dive and everything else that went along with it keep sliding into our dms um questions comments concerns anything you got we'll take it all And until next time, we'll see you out on the trails.